All right, we're live. Okay, what's up, guys? John Sintes here, Cass Kreitlow, Cutter Nation Podcast 101. Our special guest, Andy King. But first, please hit the like button, subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple iTunes, YouTube. We got the website, cutternation.net. We got the apparel, hats, whatever you need. We can help you out. Pitchers need more love. Pitchers need more gear. Uh, most pitchers are gearheads, so that's what we're trying to do here. But without further ado, Andy King. Uh, Andy, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience uh, and just let everybody know who you are, where you're at, what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, I played college baseball with Cass Kratlow in the great state of Minnesota at uh, Hamlin University. Um, originally from uh, from South Florida and made the move to you know the frozen great north to play baseball, which is kind of opposite what a lot of people do. Um, but yeah, I was there for four years, was an exercise and sports science grad, was all geared up to go to physical therapy school. And then talking with our college strength conditioning coach, I realized that strength conditioning was an actual career that you could do and uh, decided to go that route instead and, and work with uh, teams and set them up for success as best as we can. So from there, I went to University of Wisconsin River Falls, where I was a graduate assistant for about a year and a half. And then I've been with the San Francisco Giants on the minor league side for the past seven years from rookie ball up to triple uh, A for the last three seasons with uh, some time as I guess you would call it a September call up um, in the major leagues and then uh, in spring training on the major league side as well. Awesome. What part of Florida are you from? Uh, Fort Myers. So Southwest, not exactly uh, South Florida, but, but South Florida. I'm from, right. I'm from Destin. So I know. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm from Florida boy right here. Hi. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I, yeah, I went to uh, um, Pensacola Junior College in the University of West Florida over in Pensacola. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I went to uh, South Fort Myers High School. So at the time, it was relatively new. Um, now I guess it's been there about 10, 15 years or so. Yeah. Oh, right on. Cool. So. Um, in your experience with uh, strength training, you've probably. I mean, and, and how old are you? Uh, 31, just had my 31st birthday. I'm 34, relatively the same age. I, I, my personal experience, I've seen a drastic change in the strength and conditioning world, you know, from me growing up to like baseball players don't lift weights to this guy, Mark McGuire to, you know, to what it is now where we're seeing stuff in your experience with that evolution. Like, you know, have you, have you noticed any trends and some, something like, what's your favorite part about whole processes? I'm sure you see the same thing. Yeah. So I guess my experience was a little different coming from Florida. Um, I grew up watching Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez and oh. Barry Bonds. And I kind of had this innate understanding that if as a position player, because I was an outfielder, if you're stronger and can hit more doubles and more home runs, and if you're faster and can steal more bases and run down balls in the outfield, you're probably going to score more runs than the other team, which means you're probably going to win. And for me, I always enjoyed winning. And so that was kind of uh, a reason to start working out as a player myself. Um, getting into professional baseball, I had heard from some of my former teammates and people I knew in the game that there was a lot of bands, a lot of uh, uh, core work, I guess was probably the best way to put it. Um, fortunately, with us in, in the Giants organization, that wasn't the case. Um, the How they had set it up from guess the late 2000s when their first uh, strength conditioning coordinator uh jeff head who's now with the cincinnati reds how he built the program uh really from the ground up putting 
uh, weight rooms at every facility from Salem Kaiser and in short season to uh, what's now Sacramento or AAA facility. Um, we had guys pretty much doing the full gambit from, from the time I got here. And so that for me coming from an outsider's perspective, that was really, really exciting to see. Cool. That's it. That's the timeline yeah. strength and conditioning. Come on, King. For me, oh, for me. Yeah. So like, well, I mean, I'm, it's so you, when you got to watch A-Rod like, let's talk about that. Like A-Rod, yeah. A-Rod was a legend down there. Like I remember yes. growing up and hearing about him and stuff too. I think he and I are the same. No, he's a little older than me, but yeah. Yeah. And so like I read, you know, the, the Balco books and the A-Rod books and, and that stuff. And so obviously, you know, they probably had, you know, some, some help, I guess. But, uh, but for me, just being a better athlete and putting yourself in the best position to have success, like it, it made sense to me. And then also like looking into the research, like if you squat, um, there's a transfer training effect to, uh, higher lower body outputs, whether it's vertical jump or sprint sprint mechanics or acceleration. And so kind of connecting the dots on that and then um, thinking about how it could help a player. It, it was pretty cool to me. Yeah. So I, right out of college, I was like, uh, when I got into pitching and baseball and decided that that's what I was going to do full time, you know that I've uh, gone down the Brent Porcio and top velocity rabbit hole. And that got me into triple extension and Olympic lifting and, and that whole bit. Um, I know, I know you can't like give away all of your cards, but at the same time, like, can you at least give a general understanding of like, what are your influences? What, what are the giants trying to do? What can you do within that? You know, like you can say pretty philosophical, you know, I, I think, um, without getting too specific, uh, I'll, I'll say this from perspective i think what has happened in the industry is there was this forever and ever and ever and ever and ever baseball didn't understand why lifting weights was advantageous right and then what we're seeing now is like this overcompensation for that where like i'm seeing high school baseball players look like middle linebackers and it's just like super praise and i'm like i i get it that's that's there's a lot of things that are worse than that but is that what we're trying to do you know because they still aren't throwing the way that they could throw they don't they don't swing like they've learned some things now there are other things and i will say this i notice a big difference in the kids that do speed work when I see kids who've done speed work and strength and conditioning stuff, it looks a little bit different. Not, I'm not saying it isn't as flawed. I'm just, that is one of the takeaways. So that's where I see the industry. And I'm curious of like how in line that is, is with your timeline as well as like, what is the, what, what is your organization doing in relation to that? Yeah. So for us, we're in a really cool spot um, where our organization, we put, continued development at the major league level, uh, not just in the minor leagues, but throughout the organization, right? Because there's that old old saying like maintain in season, but to me, maintaining isn't an actual thing. You know, one of our coordinators came into town. I remember vividly, we were sitting on the bench in Oklahoma City a couple years ago, and we had this conversation of how are guys maintaining? Well, we're not trying to maintain being minor league players, right? We're trying to help develop them to get to the major league level. Um, so that's kind of our general philosophy as an organization. Um, but that being said, 
I do believe that stronger athletes are better athletes. These guys are the top 1% of the 1% of everybody in the world, right? So what can we do to help them continue their improvement to, to be better major league players and, or get to the major leagues if they haven't, haven't been there before. Um, so if we're talking like, like philosophy, like I, yeah, sorry. I just went blank there. Um, <laughs> yeah, You're talking sorry. philosophy and, and no, straight. I'm thinking of, I think, but, but also of just like, do all of your guys, like, do you want them lifting six days a week? Do you, okay. do you want them doing mobility work? Is there like, what is the blend of stuff? Cause speaking of things, just like, I know that, um, oh, I wish I remembered her name or where the heck I was listening to her on a podcast, but she was the first woman to, to be like yoga should be in baseball. And this was with the Yankees. And then all of a sudden this became a thing. And we're talking like what late nineties, this sounds like something like that early two thousands. Yeah. Right. And now we have things like, you know, you brought up the synapse and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but like, there's so many different ways to train somebody. Uh, cross training was super popular in the early 2010s. Right. And it's like, there's always this constant evolution of fitness and uh, strength and conditioning. And that's alongside sports performance. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I think oftentimes it comes back to the basics. So what I've spent a lot of time doing now here in what would be the Aussies in the past month or so, I've been going back and reading uh, older books like Super Training and Theory and Methodology of Training and uh, um, Bampa's book. And part of what they get back to is if players can do the basics well and they're strong enough and they're healthy enough to, to complete the demands on the field that's asked of them, they're going to be in a better position to have success. So um, to get to your question, we have individualized prep routines for each player based on how they move and some of the, the screens that we do in conjunction with strength conditioning, athletic training, um, sports medicine, and then working with our, our position coaches on what they see in their mechanics. On my end, as a for a position player or relief pitcher, typically two, three times a week is enough of a stimulus from a weight training session for them to build upon what they have and be strong and be able to thrive in uh, in September and hopefully into October. Um, starting pitchers, they have their routine where they're geared up, ready to go once every five days. Um, we do we do offer yoga at, at some points as well. And then um, if you're looking at the conditioning aspect, um, you can hit all three energy systems. If, if that's your philosophy, if you believe that it's primarily, you know, speed ATP type stuff, uh, just go, 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 then, then you can do that too. What, um, help me here. Cause I'm, I'm not the nerd in this world. What are the three systems? Uh, A to B PC. So that's like, um, like your real short burst, like your one to three seconds, uh, glycolytics a little longer. So think of like a, a half pole hundred yard type deal. And then the aerobic system where, where you start really breathing heavy. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, I have some, some general questions for, um, cats, go ahead. If you have something, I can hold this. This is. Yeah, no, I was just thinking about like the, the different departments. Yeah. So the different departments you were talking about, uh, sports medicine, uh, you, you named all of those. Uh, how is that relationship? Is one of them more important? Is the pitching coach more important? Like not, not more important. I'm trying to look at like how much time you're spending with these people 
And then also like what kind of communication, whether you're seeing them all the time or infrequently, like tell me just a little bit more, but you can't tell me specifics, but tell me the nature of those relationships and how important they are. I think naturally strength coaches and athletic trainers uh, communicate more often just because we kind of fall under the same umbrella in most organizations. Um, for me, the my really my best friends and the, the people I work closely with happen to be the athletic trainers at every affiliate I've been to. Uh, but we make it a point every day when we come to the field, talk to the manager, talk to the pitching coach, talk to the hitting coach. Hey, what are you seeing? What are you working on with this guy? How can I help? Because um, ultimately those guys, they see a lot more than we do and can help enhance their skill skill set probably a lot more than than we can do. Because I, I look at that. my position as a as a strength coach is to help them develop the resiliency to be able to do what's asked of them anytime they're asked to go on the field. Oh man, that's awesome. I wish, I wish our strength coach in college was like at our practice and talking to our coaches to like give some more feedback and guys, cause it's almost not fair just to like, right. Isn't it not fair to like, just be blind on their movements and like how it is in their skill specific stuff and then go train them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, what's really cool is for us is that we've been pushed to go watch bullpens, go, you know, stand and watch guys hit in the cage, you know, talk to the coaches. If you can watch film, watch film, um, try and get on the, on the same page with what, what coaches are trying to do with their guys and, and help in any way you can. That's cool. It's not so obvious that what, I mean, you know how much I like movement. I mean, is what we're doing that much different? What do you mean? Is what we're doing that much different? Well, what, 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 like what somebody like, I mean, a modern day hitting coach and a modern day pitching coach, it seems that we should be fairly equipped with a lot of the elementary and fundamental things that you know. Would you agree with that? I think Do a so, lot yeah. of, right, especially in, and, and so is that, I'm just curious, is that vice versa, especially being in baseball? Like, have you gained an understanding of, like, oh, I've seen the swing quite a bit more. I, I see how these high-level hitters are hitting. I understand their movements a little bit better by being alongside that. Pitcher, yes. same thing. Yeah, and I think that a lot of that has to do with talking with my hitting coaches and pitching coaches, and we've all been together for three or four years now where I can, I can kind of pick up on what I know they're going to look for to a certain extent, and it's, it's really great to have that relationship where they'll come to us and say, hey, this guy, he's – for example, you may not be able to load into his hip how I want to. Um, what is he doing in the gym? How is he moving the gym? How can we how can we help him out? Is there some sort of challenge between the two of you? I mean, uh, is it an automatic because you're the hitting coach? Um, you know, what they need is the highest priority. Or, I mean, are there scenarios where you, you need to say, you know, actually that that doesn't make any sense at all. I, I know, you know, a lot about the body based on that. Like, just, are those scenarios happening? Uh, rarely, if ever, uh, because I, I'm of the understanding that their job is to play baseball. And however we got to get, if it's a hitting coach in this example, however we got to get that guy ready to hit, let's do it. If that means he's got to spend more, more time in the cage or doing whatever it is with the hitting coach, do that. If that means he needs to come and see me, great, come and see me. I'm, I'm ready for that. Um, I, I don't get, you know, like I don't get any more uh, recognition or pay or anything if a guy works out a lot more or anything like that, right? It's all about getting these guys to to the big leagues so they can have success. 
No, but okay. So let let's say let's say that uh, a hitting coach comes to you and is like, "Hey, he can't get into his back hip. I want you to strength train it this way." Gotcha. Like, is it is it simply just okay? Talk to you later, and then you give him back his athlete, or like I'm I'm wondering about the dialogue and the back and forth because you know that's where the magic happens. Is the better that you guys can communicate, the more likely it is that you're going to keep these guys healthy and, and not maintaining but gaining. Yep. I think it's a little more fluid than that. I think it's, it's more of uh you know, talk, talk to the coach. What are you, what are you seeing? What are you feeling with guys? Um, that example of he's not able to, to load in his back hip. Does he have anything in his, his movements that you see that we can fix um, on your end? Or is it a, a coaching, um, a, a skill coach aspect of it? So maybe I see he lacks, hip external rotation or dorsiflexion in his ankle. So he's not able to load into that gluten kind of like cast over, over onto his knee. Then maybe that's something we can work on where, Hey, maybe it's hip mobility or glute, glute activation for lack of a better word, or ankle mobility, ankle stability to help guide him into that position. But maybe sometimes too, it's a, he's physically on our end able to do it. So what kind of drills or hitting coach specific, um, work can he do with the guy to get him? So I, I guess to answer your question, like there really isn't a ton of ego of, Hey, I saw this drill and, or this, uh, this exercise, I want you to do it with them. Like I'm more, if it, if it makes sense and the, the, there isn't a whole lot of risk into it. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's give it a shot. Well, so what I'm always interested in is like, okay, so if I'm a hitter and I'm going to go do uh, a lunge with coach, coach king and i want that lunge to be expressive of what i'm going to do in the box right mm -hmm. and so it's not always going to be the same exact thing but it's still like biomechanics are going to it's the same thing you know and, right. and angles and positioning is going to vary um but we have a ton of variability in our sport anyway so it's not like you need to like add a million things to that i don't think um, but, but I'm just curious of like, yeah, you're answering a lot of my questions. The, the, there has to be this actual dialogue back and forth of what they're seeing and then taking that into consideration when you're writing individualized programs. But, you know, there's always still just like an overall philosophy and I'm, and I'm curious of like, I don't know, it, it's. I don't know where I'm going with this besides I'm just making in light of the fact that like you have guys that are wanting to do driveline programs. You are having guys like now knowing the culture in Southern California, like of course you guys have some SoCal kids and like they're probably going to have a pitching coach and a hitting coach and they're going to go back home over winter and they're going to go to those people and they might go lift with them too, Yep. you know, and, and I can see some of the, the fear that there's been in the past, you know, a lot of the old school, is around like making sure you don't do all like don't do everything you know and and then you hear these success stories of like guys who would cross train in boxing and that's like there's some really good carryover there and like these places that make sense touch on just some of those struggles of like managing all of that the levels of the stuff i i don't know that i would say it's a, a struggle per se because each player is is their own guy right um, I may not prioritize as some of those philosophies as as others do, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean mean it's right. 
Um, like as an example, I'm a, I'm a big NBA fan, right? And so the Lakers and the Bulls won with Phil Jackson running the triangle offense. Um, the Warriors won more pace and space, shoot a bunch of threes. It doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong. Um, so for this, like if if I prioritize an undulating type method, right, and another organization prioritizes a a five through one type method, it doesn't mean you know I'm better than them or they're they're better than me or anything like that. It's it's trying to pick and choose and work with your athlete based on what works best best for him. So for for an example like that. Um, being at the AAA level, work with more veteran players and, uh, and older prospects, right? So a player may come to me and say, hey, I really, really enjoy this exercise. Okay, great. Maybe that wasn't what I had planned for this session, but um, one of my mentors taught me like, hey, maybe put it to the top of his program card. Um, maybe highlight it or bold it so you can show him like, hey, I'm listening to you. This You find value in this. Like, Let's do it, but let's also maybe go in the direction where where I want to be to to help you develop because we do we do have our philosophies that we believe work does that make sense yeah 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 totally absolutely totally all right so John you um, had some things yeah um I'm my like I said I, it's great you know I, I'm jealous it sounded like you got a lot better information earlier in your life than I did because I was you know <laughs> uh, just small town vibes is basically what I what I chalk it up to and then the coaches that were around me earlier in my life. I even had a double A uh, infielder as my head coach in high school, but he told me he was uh, retiring the first day of freshman year. So like, and then he didn't retire to like eight years later. So it's hilarious the mindset of what it was. Right. Yep. But that being said, you know, there was a giant controversy over, you know, so me and my dad, we went to like Florida state camps, Florida camps and stuff. Like that. And I remember going back to back weekends and like a Christmas thing and being like confused because I went to Florida state and they said, pitchers don't lift infielders lift. And then went to Florida and they go, everybody lifts. And then everybody does explosive stuff right there. So, I, I, there's a, um, you know, when in the game that we are in the long-term game, right. You know, if you were to give a general piece of advice from your perspective of what you've seen now, obviously, um, you know, for me, I feel like strength, there's a lot of issues, but you know, what's a good time frame for someone to like understand how long it really takes to get to this, this, this level and in, in your opinion, because I, I know that's a, it's a weird question because not a lot of people think about like, you know, eight-year-olds think, you know, year olds playing basketball and running around and playing is a form of conditioning and, and like being athletic. Right. So mm -hmm. is that, is that something you can answer? That one, unfortunately, I don't have a ton of experience of, of working with kids. Um, I, I do kind of su subscribe to the model of practicing a lot of sports, playing a lot of sports and not specializing too early at an age. But I also understand that, you know, the, the said pr principle, you know, it's, specific to what your goal is you should probably work towards it and the frequency of completing a said task will help you develop towards that um so like from a pitching example like guys probably need to throw a lot a lot more at a younger age than it's sorry if they're going to be be a great pitcher they probably need to work on those mechanics or fine-tune you know pitches as opposed to not doing it but at the same time i don't know that one's right and one's one's wrong yeah so maybe well, here, maybe i need to ask I my question a little bit ask one. i was going to ask it differently that's all you know i was just thinking like would, would you say i was thinking like 18 year olds what do you do with an 18 year old 
what do you what what should an 18 year old look like like you know what i mean like if you get an 18 year old top prospect what do they look like or what don't you know what i mean like there was a story i don't know if you've ever heard this thing but there was a there was a minnesota kid that got drafted that couldn't uh in hockey like top 10 overall and he couldn't do a pull-up yeah yeah so that's like uh kevin durant in basketball when he went to the to the nba combine he couldn't do one rep on the bench press um, ultimately, I, I think skill trumps all and, and how good of a player you are. You're going to win with with better players. And that, that's part of our job as as strength coaches and baseball coaches help develop those those players to reach their fullest potential. Right. So I, I think my question, what I was trying to ask is like committing to like a lifetime of strength and conditioning and understanding what it is, is, is like I saw a 12 year old throw 90 in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And so looking at what that kid did, his dad was a big leaguer. And so this kid's influence was not little league T-ball. It was, he was at the park every day and watched home runs, missiles, and, you know, bombs. And so just, and then seeing that kid just develop and then, you know, he signs at 18 throwing 97. It's like, of course he did. You know what I mean? Yep. And so that idea of like, whenever he started, you know, paying attention to the game, because that's what his environment was three, four, five years old. It seems like 10 years seems to be something of a frame of like, there's got to be something in this 10 year range or something in order for someone to really develop some either elite skill or elite strength or whatever that is. And so that's, you know, to your experience and my experience, I, I guess that's where I always look for questions of people that are in the strength world. It's like, could you generally say if, if, you know, philosophically, if you just worked on basic strength stuff from eight to 18, right. And you were just trying to be as safe and strong as possible to like, what, what are we saying? Twice a week, three times a week, something that would be like a good thing for people to understand what it is. Yeah. Especially at the younger age, I, I think if you're going from like a total body perspective and not doing lower upper splits, I don't think you need to specialize for that until, until kids are older by any means, but yeah, two, three times a week of general activity, general strength training. I think that's a, a great way to go. Yeah, because like that's what I'm thinking. It's like we, you know, we got this beautiful brand new facility over here. We're gonna have kids mm -hmm. that are gonna be lifers, right? And they're gonna be, you know, we're getting eight, nine. We had seven and six year olds coming to us now, and we're seeing yeah. massive development games and what they're doing and stuff. And so, you know, the message that I think we're really trying to put across is like, if you really want to give yourself the best chance to do any kind of sport at the highest level to do it, it takes this long term commitment of what it is, right? It takes yeah. this. 10 year understanding. It doesn't have to be every day in the strength training, right? But like right. understanding what like an off season, in season is and in competition, out of competition kind of idea. And, you know, I always remember when my season end, when I would be playing and the first thing I wanted to do was like, go crush the weight room because like I knew yep. that I didn't have to play the next day. You know what I mean? I'd be like, I could actually go deadlift 450 right now. And like, all right, like we can, let's see where it is. You know what I mean? And um, I'm not sure if you listen to podcasts, but uh, Kelly Start was on Cressy's podcast recently. And he was just talking about that's kind of the idea of what they have. And it, I, I don't know. I, I mean, all of that stuff's just very, very interesting to me. And Cass has always brought that side of strength and conditioning to me. And I just feel like I got, I, I had like, you know, I, I was just throwing stuff up against the wall and see what I like, just like what you were saying, you know? And so I, you know, I even showed Cass a bunch of the exercise that I used to do with cables and I do like these split stance, high to high pulls that I really just, I liked it, you know, but yeah. like Cass is like, well, I don't really know what that is in the strength and conditioning world besides like resistance against your arm. You know, I'm like, I don't know. It makes the shoulder feel good. You know what I mean? Like, so. And you know, there, there's something to be said for that, for, for feeling good, you know, going, going into your activity or going on onto the mound, right? Like, if, if I really want a guy to squat and I'm adamant, the guy's got to squat, 
but he's not comfortable with it and he feels like that may may be detrimental to his performance and okay we're maybe we're not going to squat maybe we're going to if you want a rear foot we'll rear foot maybe we can trap bar or we can do a a hip thrust um whatever we have to do to help help the guy develop but also feel confident going going onto the field i mean that that's what it's about yeah are there any cool tools that you are excited about um that just made me think of the the trap bars without the back yeah the uh the kabuki bars um so we we have a handful of those we just opened up a a new gym at uh scottsdale stadium our our major league spring training side and uh sorry going into last spring training pre-covid that was opened up and then uh developing our minor league complex as well i'm not sure when that'll that'll open up now um but yeah those those kabuki bars are are pretty cool um what i'm really really interested in is uh and you guys might have seen it after or during the world series they had uh the pose cam um where they used the hawkeye uh hawkeye system uh, as kind of the 3d analysis of players on the field i'm very very interested to see where that goes i know like I said, I'm a big basketball fan. The NBA has been using systems like that for, for years. That's where it tracks where they are, like uh, GPS, right? Yes, yeah. Yes, right. that, that replaced the, uh, the track man system for, you know, spin rates and, and that stuff. Right, right. And I think, aren't they doing that with the Sabre metrics with the outfielders and stuff like that? That's where I've seen that, where they, like, show their I, I range. I wouldn't be shocked. Bubble. Yeah, they, they yeah. show a range bubble sometimes on MLB Network. And I'm always like, that's interesting. Because that's what it looked like to me is exactly what you said is the basketball thing where they do the yeah. the bubbles, all the plays and all the moving parts. It's very – yes. I'm I'm full nerd, so I love anything on a screen. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> uh, Kabuki also has a uh, – I believe it's called a transform bar where it's a safety bar that can uh, transform from a safety bar standpoint to a, like it's a front squat to a back squat to a, a good morning. I think that's some pretty cool. Cool oh, that too. is cool. That is super cool. What about VBT? What do you think about that um, velocity-based training with the bars and, and all that stuff like that? Are we are we eyewash or are we in on that? I'm in on it. Um, so when I was in Wisconsin, uh, we would use stopwatches because we were a Division three school. Uh, we had literally no budget. I mean, I think it was maybe like, like $500 to $1,000 for the entire year for 18 sports. Um, so we used stopwatches <laughs> to, to time our athletes. Um, and we would call it a, a reactive phase, so lightweight, so it's high force, high velocity, just trying to, to move fast and really prime that nervous system so athletes are ready to go. Now with the Giants, uh, we use Gym Aware. Um, our, our Major League Strength Coach and Sports Scientists were, were uh, on their podcast a, a while back. But what's really cool about that is, you know, VBT, it's, it's quote-unquote new, but uh, Super Training, uh, one of the older strength training books, about 300 pages in, they have those same um, zones that we use for velocity-based training laid out in there. And that book was written 30, 40 years ago. So it's really, wow. it's not, it's not like anything new, but it's kind of like rebroadcast out there in a, in probably a simpler way for most of us to, to understand and, and apply. Yeah, one of the Olympic lifting coaches had um, a BBT on his, and and it was interesting to watch him do it with his athletes and everything. I mean, he's pretty good at what he does over at East County Barbell, and him putting it on the iPad in front of them and having them do their snatches and everything from there. I was always like, I'm like, I, I if this was if, if they did this to me when I was in in college, I would have been it would have, I would have been obsessed. Like anything with a number and a leaderboard, I'm gonna try to win it every time. So yep, it, and that know. that's a big help for us for 
you know, if we're in more of a strength phase or a power phase or what, whatever it is in season to go to a guy and say, hey, I'm not really concerned about the weight, but I want you to be in this zone. Let's try and hit it. Naturally, your competitiveness is going to take over and you're going to try and hit that zone with more times than not as, as much weight as you, you can to, to hit your goal. Totally. Yeah. I agree. I, that made me think of Adrian Peterson and uh, the ACL rehab and, and you just saying uh, creating competitiveness and the athletic trainers. So how much of that is there blended in of like making guys do that kind of stuff? Make guys on, on the rehab side do that? Well, sure. Cause I mean, like, yes, I was just curious of I don't know. I mean, I mean I, I'm just, I know that, I know that that came on. I can hear myself so bad in the background. It's, it's killing me right now. Um, no, just that, that athletic training, the, the uh, competitive nature and you guys having conversations. I don't know if that was something that you could tie together, but. <laughs> what, so uh, creating the competitive environment um, in conjunction with the athletic trainers. Sure, but I don't know where I, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Move on. Um, I, you said something earlier about the five-day rotation, and um, I've seen so many different variations. I was a starter, reliever, I did it all, right? And so I actually found that um, I was better as a reliever because of frequency and feel. Like I, I, I threw five days in a row multiple times in the uh, Mexican Winter Bowl, and it was like what I prided myself on. They said I had a rubber arm and all this, but I was soft tissue king. Like I just had so many different recovery practices and things that I had figured out how to like. Oh, this is how you do it. Like because I played with a lot of guys that just threw year round. Like there's Dominican and, and Cuban guys that don't play major league baseball, but they're professional ball players and they go to Japan and then they come back home and then they play and they only have like six to eight weeks in between each season. And I did that for about six years and I almost, I felt like I was dying, right? Cause I would get home, mm -hmm. I'd feel terrible. I'd start lifting, start doing all my mobility stuff to try to start feeling better. And my um, strategy changed almost every year in between those, just depending on, you know, what my role was, right? If I was, if I was a reliever, I was just dying for an off day. So I could like go after the game and go deadlift, give myself that 48 hours and then try to get back into it. Um, but as a starter, I found it really hard to figure out, well, you know, okay, I, I threw 130 pitches and then I, you know, I only got five days. I need to lift. I like to lift heavy. Right. I know it's, you know, they, whatever I'm reading for people saying is it's three to four reps at, at close to, you know, 80% or something like that. But I just never felt like I could do it. Like I, my body just didn't react. Like if I lifted, if I deadlifted, let's say I started on a Sunday and I deadlifted on Monday, like I felt like crap all the way until my next start day. And I couldn't yeah. quite figure it out. And so I really started lowering the weight and like doing more reps and then doing more ISO holds and other things like that. Like, that process has evolved tremendously. Like what, what do you do? Could you comment on what you guys do on, on that kind of five day rotation, six day or whatever they're doing? Yeah. So we, we do five day um, throughout in, in our organization. And again, it comes back to stronger athletes or better athletes and preparing those guys for, for their start day. So typically the day after um, we like to use it as an active recovery type day. But if a, if a pitcher wants to lift, um, he's probably going to do a, a lower body lift that day. And depending on what phase we in, we, we're in, we have the gym aware with us on the road and at home. So we can, we can lock that in 
and, uh, and help that guy reach his goal for that day. Um, if he's not lifting that day, typically, so like the example you use pitch Sunday on Monday is either active recovery, maybe a lower body day on Tuesday, he'll probably throw his bullpen. Um, and then that'll be a total body lift or an upper body, uh, when he's done, if they want to go lower upper split and then really just gear up and, and be ready to go on, on Friday. Um, again, depending on, on your philosophy, you can mix in some aerobic work in there to stimulate recovery. Um, you can go straight. Um, speed and power work, uh, however it is that, that you see fit. Personally, I, I do believe that aerobic work can be beneficial for a player if, if you're programming it correctly um, from a recovery standpoint and, and really, you know, locking in, the, uh, locking in the energy system so that they have enough there left in the tank, I think is a, is a good, good quality to have as an as a athlete. Um, I think back to uh, one of the uh, – he was a wrestling coach at Minnesota. He said fatigue makes cowards of us all. And uh, and that's always stuck with me where where if I'm in better shape Robinson. than you. Yes, yes. Yeah, so if, if I'm in better shape than you, then I'm, I'm also probably in a, a, a better place to, to compete, compete against you. Yeah, it it uh it's it was it's difficult. It makes sense that that's cool that you're using the VBT to monitor probably like you know force force output right like too much yeah. weight not enough right how fast you know you can't is it is it point eight five is that what it is um on the movement speed is that what it's supposed to be I don't even remember what Wes it, told it, us. Yeah, it depends on what you, what your goal is. So the point eight five and above uh, is probably more speed strength. If you're going from point, I think that's right. Point eight five might be might be 1.0 and above is speed strength 0.85 to 1 is accelerative strength and then uh, mm. and then strength speed is 0.5 to 0.75 um, yeah. right right about those yeah yeah i, I kind of look that's at it as numbers. more that's, that's, when i saw that i'm sorry you saying that, no when you saw that no i i i you you were saying you said you were looking at I, we were talking same time i was letting you go Oh, um, yeah. So like if I'm, uh, if like leading into the postseason, or if it's, uh, like, a looking at a time for guys to, to thrive and be in their, their best, best position for, for the year, I look at like above a 1.0 and some of that I, I took from, uh, Brian Mann and, and Cal Dietz and, and some of their work with velocity based training. That's gotta be tremendous in this uh, pandemic situation. I was going to ask you about Dietz. The, 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 if you can monitor the VBT of guys, like you can kind of do it anywhere, right? That's That's got to help tremendously for a remote where, you know, just some simple video with some numbers on it there can give you a lot of data on what they're trying to do. Yeah, and, and it's not just the gym where there's other systems out there um, that, that you can use that are relatively similar to to reach a goal. What was, Cass, what was the name of that? Um, oh. The Aussie guy? The, um, the kangaroo tech, is that what it was? Uh, Kanga Tech. Kanga Tech. Kanga, yeah, that Kanga was Tech. Kangaroo Tech. I'm an idiot. It's fine. That was that was interesting too, measuring because um I'm not sure if you watch Blower's uh blog, but it's so insightful of all the things that he does and tests every day. And I want to say he has over 60 tests that he does every day and all his joints and blood and everything that he does. Um, but it's all like force output like you know the day after he throws he'll do the hand back the hand down and then it measures what you know whatever does everything and then it logs everything for him 
and uh, he's systemized it to where he doesn't have to track any of the data. It's so smart. It's so smart to where it just like it goes off and he has this team of people that works for him that they categorize it, put it all in the charts and all the data and everything for him so he can see what it needs to be. Yep. Yeah, I saw I saw the uh, Kangatech guys present uh, a couple years ago and, and that's some that's some pretty cool stuff. Right. Yeah, we met the guy. We were talking to him at the um, winter meetings and convention and Nigel. Yeah, that guy was awesome. That's it. That's cool. All right. Well, uh, we're getting a little close to your time. That's got to go. Um, uh, Cass, you got anything else? Well, I was just going to say like a little bit more on the, because you've had such a unique uh, just transition. I mean, from, from Florida to, to Minnesota, but then being like, I feel like you had some sort of uh, rub against with uh, Cal Dietz or I know that rubbed elbows is the saying, Right. Like, did you, did you do an internship with him or something? No. So, uh, so my former boss, uh, Carmen Patty's director of athletic performance at Wisconsin River Falls, when he was kind of playing out these ideas with triphasic training, I guess that's when, when Cal was doing it over at the university of Minnesota. And so through Carmen, I've been able to, to meet and, and talk with Cal a handful of times. And, and like, I went to his, uh, reflexive performance reset um certifications and and talk to him there and stuff um so i i wouldn't say like i'm friends with him or anything like that but but i've appreciated him from afar and what he's done for for our field from, from afar yeah i just remember you doing i remember you in a um an eccentric phase like a yes. couple of years out of college or something and i'm like you're you're front squatting 315 like it took me a minute to get i don't know if i'm so comfortable front squatting 315 but <laughs> Yeah, you're a little, uh, you're strong for a long time. So, um, anyway, I just, I, I just can't say enough about this dude. Um, he's still very loyal to the Hamlin University program. Um, it was great to have him on on my team. We got to win a championship together. We both will always hold that very near and dear to our hearts. First time I cried and laughed at the same time. Yep. <laughs> um, pretty pretty intense stuff. Um, so. Uh, you know, obviously not as talkative as, as John and I, but my goodness, <laughs> has Andy King read a ton of books and and put a lot into what he does. So um, just just for the record, man, I appreciate you coming on. And I, I it's cool that we both get to stay in baseball and have have crossed paths the way that we have. Um, just an FYI, I'm, I'm trying to get deets on this, but I, it might be three, four years from now, and that's fine. Um, but you... <laughs> Yerby's coming on next. Uh, if we don't do anything else, Tyler Yerby's going to be on. Nice. Um, so just keep keep an eye on the podcast because we do have some people in your world. Um, and yeah, it's baseball. So anyway, thanks again, man. It's good talking. To yeah, you. yeah, absolutely. It's great talking to you guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, small world. I uh, was listening to the Vic Black uh, podcast recently. I had him in 2017 in in Richmond, Virginia, and. Uh, and he kind of introduced me to, to some cool ideas as well. So even though, you know, I'm a strength coach more times than not, I'm learning from, from our players and, and what works and, and trying to, trying to figure it out that way. Well, when this thing gets awesome. less weird, we, we know how to travel in the world. If you come down to San Diego, you got to come check us out. For sure. For sure. Thanks for having me guys. It was a pleasure, Andy. I appreciate your insight and your expertise, man. It, it's, uh, it's, it's always great to, to get people on here that, 
you know, we all understand the big goal of just trying to help people understand a little bit more and educate the the baseball world. And that's all, we, you know, we're really trying to do with Cutter Nation is just like, there's some mistakes that we made and we know that people are going to make these same mistakes. And if we can expose those early enough in people's careers, that we can not break their elbow like I did, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So appreciate it. Um, yeah, guys go, uh, Andy, do you, do you have any social media that you want to plug or anything on there that you want to let everybody know? Uh, I'm not very active. I've got a Twitter that's coach AK one five. Um, you'll randomly see, see something on there, but not, not a whole lot. I'm a pretty okay. private person. Fair. Happens. Sometimes <laughs> you play the game, you don't play the game, you're still playing the game. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So, guys, uh, appreciate it. Thanks again, Andy. Awesome. Um, we'll put this out everywhere, and, and I'll let you know where it is, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Have a good one.